Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today on the episode, I have on Savannah and Danielle from the Authentic Souls podcast, and they've got a really cool podcast. I went on it a couple of months ago, and we kind of talked about conspiracy theories. Atlantis definitely came up in what we were talking about, and I've been wanting to do an Atlantis episode for a while, so I figured they would be great to partner with for this, and they just knew they brought a lot of information to this episode, and we talked a little bit less about, I think when people focus on Atlantis, they go, okay, it's an island. Where's the island? Where's the evidence? And we didn't really talk so much about like geographically, where is Atlantis? We talked a little bit more and we got very spiritual and woo-woo in this episode. So if you like that, you'll like it. And if you don't, you won't like it. Um, But we talked a little bit more about this idea of Atlanteans and the society in Atlantis and this idea of ancient civilizations that were more evolved than us, maybe not in terms of I don't know, aliens or magic, but in terms of connecting to nature and using your intuition and how that can be a superpower and all of the cool features and facets of Atlantis. One of my favorite facts and quote unquote facts that uh, they brought up in this episode was the idea that people have written about that in the days of Atlantis back then, big cats were actually not dangerous. So lions, jaguars, cheetahs, they would walk among these Atlantean people completely normal, but then they were bred for war and greed and destruction to be violent and aggressive. And we kind of talk about the male and female different dynamics and energies. And I'm going to kind of stop talking here and just let the episode take over. Um, So without further ado, a little bit of a woo-woo episode where we kind of talk about advanced civilizations and why we as humans really crave this idea of advanced civilizations existing. So here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Fluently Forward. I'm so excited to have on the girls from the Authentic Souls podcast for today's talk about Atlantis. How are you guys doing? Welcome to the show. We're feeling great. We're very excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is a really fun topic. We were just letting you know we wrote like an insane amount of notes. This could be like a four-hour episode. <laughs> we wanted to dive in that deep because we're like, oh, we're ready. We got you. We've been ready. The, yeah. the years that we've been talking about Atlantis between the two of us and then having you invite us on really allowed us to like go so deep into all of this and it feels so aligning. So we're very excited to share. I love this. Well, I just felt such a connection with you guys when I came on your podcast probably a month or so ago, and we talked about conspiracy theories. But even when you guys reached out to me, you know, there's so many cool podcasts in the world, and I love hearing about all of them. You guys must get this from people all the time, but your podcast is so interesting to me because you know those shops that when you're on vacation and it has crystals in it, but it also has supplements, but it also has like books. That's kind of to me what your podcast is. So tell everybody a little bit about what it is and how you guys got started with this. Yeah, it's just kind of evolved. It's had different iterations over the past, you know, couple years, but it really has just become a platform for us to talk about subjects that we're interested in and not to limit ourselves into like one niche. So that's why the name is called The Authentic Souls is because whether it's through a guest or through a topic, we want to be talking about authentic things with authentic people who are living from like a soul-based reality. I feel like that makes for a really good conversation because no one's bullshitting you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not limiting. Like we could, there's so many people that are living from that place. Like when we talked to you, we felt that from you. We're like, you are so truly doing what you're meant to be doing. And so just talking to people like that is so much fun. And I think it just really translates well into a podcast format. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And just... I guess just like not being afraid of having kind of the weird conversations we would have had between each other. And so that's why sometimes it does get kind of woo-woo or weird or like, you know, and fuck it, we're going to talk about conspiracies because it's something we talk about in private. And I don't know why we can't have this conversation publicly. It takes a lot of um, being true to yourself and not being afraid of what other people are going to think. And it's taken a while for us to get here, but mm-hmm. it's so much fun. You know, I, I loved our conversation we had on our podcast about conspiracies because it was such a digestible conversation and you do have such a grounded perspective. So that one honestly yeah. was our most downloaded episode. So congrats. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah. that. That makes my day. Well, I just thought it was so fun. And you know me, like I love to get into the woo-woo and the weirdness of life and everything in between. And I remember on your episode, 
obviously Atlantis came up because it's just like one of those conspiracy theories. I love the conspiracy theories that are a little bit mythological. You know, anytime you want to talk about unicorns or Pegasus, like I'm all about that. And we were talking about Atlantis and you guys both told me that you had gone deep, pun intended, a deep dive. (laughs) You had done this before on Atlantis and you had both, what was it like, had past life regressions Mm -hmm. or like kind of memories about Atlantis. So tell us a little bit about that. I've always just felt very intuitively connected to Atlantis, very interested by it. I've done another reading with someone. So if you didn't know, I make jewelry as well. And I use a lot of crystals. And she was talking about how that's connected to my time in Atlantis because they were very much influenced by crystals and had all their energy from crystals. And so it's just an interesting connection that I feel. And I felt connected to Danielle at that in that time too. A lot of people who are interested in the woo-woo um, or in ancient times and lands, I feel very connected to them, like you as well. Like I would not be surprised if I did a past life regression if I was like, okay, what's my connection to Shannon if you came up? (laughs) Anyway, so I was in the tank and I asked, you know, again, what's my connection to Danielle? I'm like, ready. I want to tap in, tune in. And I just let whatever come up, show up. And I was working in like a enclosure cave. (laughs) Yeah. That, um, was matching people with their crystals, like whatever they needed at the time. (laughs) And then I Danielle walked in and it was like at the end of the day and she was like, Hey, like I just got done talking to the dolphins. And it was so interesting because she was like very into like marine life. And she, I just had this image of her sitting by the dock talking to the dolphins, not like actually like, Hey, how's it going? But more like of a you know, mind to mind telepathy kind of vibe. So did you guys see the latest Avatar movie? I have not Mm -hmm, seen any Avatar. Oh my God. You guys guys will freak out when you see it. I like my guilty pleasures. I love things that people hate. Like I love Nickelback and I love the (laughs) Avatar movie franchises. Like I'm crazy for them. And it was all about the way of water and it was giving very much Atlantis. So Mm -hmm. like you should actually go see the movie. It's really good because it's all about that. And I agree too. I even find it really cool with different elements, right? You have that for like the cartoon avatar, but you also have that with signs of the Zodiac. Are people drawn to water, earth, air, fire? What elements of those do they have in their chart? It's almost some sort of weird, like, I think there's a lot of power in the number four too. You know, you have four seasons, you have the four elements, you have even for TV shows and pop culture, right? Whether it's Pretty Little Liars or Sex in the City or any of those shows, there's typically four main characters. And I think it's a perfect division of like how you can, you know, separate yourself. Like maybe you don't really relate to one, two, or three, but the fourth category you'll definitely relate to. So I think that a lot of people are drawn to this idea of water and it's so, it covers so much of our planet. It's so ingrained into our body. We need it to survive. We can't breathe it, but we do drink it. So we can't live in it, but we like to live around it. And I just find it so fascinating the way that water like weaves itself throughout all these different cultures. So diving into Atlantis, let's just start up top. Do you believe that Atlantis existed? Let's start there. Yes, but not necessarily in the way that it's portrayed in the media and how we think of it now. I mean, in the late 1800s up to the early 1900s, like Atlantis was, it was like Atlantis existed. Like mm-hmm. it, there, it was, there was proof, there was books, there was maps. Like it wasn't this question thing where now we're like, oh no, that didn't exist. Yeah. And it really, to me, the most interesting part is just why did it shift? Mm-hmm. Why did that change? Why all of a sudden are we so skeptical about something at one point we were so sure about? Yeah, it's a fascinating thing. I've been reading this book and I read this book before our interview by W. Scott Elliott. And it was written in 1896. And I know on our episode you did with us, I was telling you, I don't know if you had time, but to watch The Ancient Apocalypse. And yeah. he so many things referenced in this book are in that show. And my mind was just being blown over and over again, because again, this is like over a hundred years ago that this was happening. But yeah, like this is a map from way back then. And that middle continent is Atlantis. So like this was all over their maps before. 
which I find fascinating. Yeah. And there is a lot of science that backs this up. But again, it's like, it doesn't necessarily fit the narrative of what we've been taught. And with archaeology, it's like the deeper you go, the deeper you go, right? So yeah, we've kind of scratched the surface in the last 200 years. But the more we kind of get into this, the more proof we're going to, I think, eventually find. And we can kind of bring up some of like the more science-based, you know, things that have been found about this. But it's like the city of Troy, right? Like it was always, oh, like this mythical place. And then all of a sudden they found ruins and they're like, oh, shit, like this actually existed. So that's kind of when I think about Atlantis, what I think about. But again, you know, there's like also the storyline of like, these people were half human, half Well, should, yeah, should we get into a little bit yeah. of the storyline? Yeah. So from people, and I when I think of Atlantis too, I think it's really you know, anyone listening, you've probably heard of the concept of Atlantis, or maybe you've seen the Disney movie. The idea of Atlantis, the bulk of it comes from Plato. And he basically is describing it in these two books, Timaeus and Critias. He describes it as a powerful and advanced kingdom that ended up sinking into the ocean. It was basically cursed by Zeus around 9,600 BC. Mm -hmm. So this was like where a huge bulk of it came from. But it's interesting because in Plato's books, he's talking about it very much in a historical dialogue, not as though he's telling a fantastical tale. And what's really cool is that not only does he talk about this as like this island, this place that existed, this society, which we'll talk a little bit about the location of it because everyone's trying to find it. But what's really cool is that he said that the Atlanteans were really this species of demigods. And that's where you have a little bit of the religion come into play, where it was basically a civilization full of demigods. And these people were more advanced than humans. They were more intelligent. They operated in a different way. They were kinder. They were stronger. But then as the legend goes, they ended up losing their way mating and mating with more humans. So then that way the society became more human-like and then it was cursed and banished to sink beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. Just in that TLDR, anything that I skipped over or forgot that you guys want to mention? Well, I just want to mention a couple of things. A, again, when Plato was talking about this, he specifically says this is true. And so a lot of people are like, oh, it's just the story, you know, but he's like, no, like this actually happened. Like this was written on the walls of an Egyptian temple is like a story that actually happened. And the other thing that I think is really interesting, it's like, okay, sure. If it was just this story that he wrote, it, the the dates really add up in a, in a weird way. So he said that it existed about from now 12,000 years ago. And if we look at the science, 12,000 years ago, there was 100% some kind of cataclysmic episode that occurred, most likely from a comet that hit Earth, sea levels rose. If Atlantis was an island, it was probably pretty much immediately swallowed up, right? So I think it's really interesting like how we can look at history and be like, oh, but how come those dates add up? Like, I just think that's really interesting. So mm-hmm. I just want to mention that. Savannah can get more into like the the society itself and kind of like the demise like you were you were discussing. Yeah. The other thing, I, I mean, there is like this, I mean, and then at the same time, Plato was talking about like they were advanced, but they were also advanced could have meant like they were sea bearing, like they were in boats. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't mean necessarily they were like <laughs> superhuman, which at the same time, I'm not completely writing off because I have had this fascination probably, I mean, for a long time, but I've really been sitting with it, why humans are so disconnected from the natural world. Because it it really just does not make sense to me. Every other animal lives in this symbiotic nature with its environment and the rest of the world, and we just don't get it. There's something in us that doesn't understand. You really have to put an effort to understand. I think that's why we do have so much self-exploration and wanting to connect with nature. Like the fact that we have to put an effort to do that is really interesting. So there are theories that, you know, you want to get real crazy, (laughs) that they mated with or extraterrestrials basically made that species and that we have now evolved out of that state you know, I also think like if if you do take this as a as fact or if you're just interested in it and you can be open to it, at least understanding that we are not separate from these people. We have evolved from these people. And that's also very fascinating. So anything that we talk about in this next, you know, hour or so kind of exploring on like, how does that make you feel um, a big part of what Danielle and I do? And one of the messages we want to spread with what we're doing is getting people to be in tune with their intuition and with their inner guidance system and trusting themselves. And basically in this book that I was reading, that's that was their superpower. 
they had such strong individual intuitions that they could basically read your mind. So like they they knew, they could sense immediately when someone was not telling the truth, when something was not fair. And so that was a big part of how they lived their lives and how they were able to live in such a symbiotic community for a while until there was the demise. But I just find that fascinating. Oh, totally. And even, God, I like cannot stop thinking about Avatar, but like that. (laughs) And I know Avatar is kind of based off of Pocahontas, which you see the same themes there where it's like, the uh, the blundering white man who's like lost touch with nature lands on this foreign land and like the the native people who live there are already making it work. Like they're in touch with nature. There's great symbiosis. Everyone's getting along. They know how to connect and okay, like the current goes here. That's when we go downstream at 4 p.m. And it's it's a lot of these things that seem like, oh my God, are you like super advanced or intelligent? And yeah, that is a form of intelligence. And I think so many times the ego of humans gets in the way. Like I remember back when I was vegan, I used to get so upset and I still do when everybody's like, humans are the smartest animals on the planet. Okay, well then like you yourself get into a fighting pit with a bear and see what happens. See if you still think that you're the apex predator because you're we're actually not like sure we've created guns that doesn't make us an apex predator. There are animals that have the ability to see at nighttime, to use sonar to find where each other are, to be able to feel another animal coming through vibrations in the ground, to fly, to innately know where north and south is in your body. So there's all of these really cool kind of superhuman-like elements that exist in animals. And even, I was jotting some notes down here because even with humans, there are abilities that we have in this day today that kind of feel a little bit superhuman. So We've all heard that story of the mother lifting the car off of her child. This was Angela Cavallo, where her son was performing mechanical work on his car. The jack fell, and she lifted up the car that was 3,500 pounds, high enough for her son to get out, and that's all thanks to adrenaline kicking in. And basically, our body does this cool thing where it will shut down our digestive and immune systems for a little bit and just focus everything on strength. And then we also have endorphins that help us with natural painkiller ability. So this is really cool. Like if you're wrestling with someone and they tickle you, you're not going to giggle because your endorphins are so like fired up with adrenaline that it turns off. By the same token, if you're really turned on and you get spanked, it's not going to hurt you as it would if you were getting spanked during math class Mm -hmm. because like your body changes. And then also another thing that we have the ability to do is kind of change time. So if you're waiting for your dentist to come into the room, five minutes can seem like an hour, but if you're engrossed in like your favorite, I don't know, video game, an hour can seem like five minutes. So even just to this day, there are certain abilities that we have that just kind of go a little bit above and beyond the average. What was that video you were telling me about? Yeah, this is really interesting. And I've been thinking a lot about this recently. And you were talking about the influence of religion earlier. And I was just watching a video how there is proven science. They did a bunch of DNA research where you were more likely to, how do I word this? Okay. People that had some kind of in their lineage connection with like Christianity or any other religions that kind of have a tendency to run on the basis of like fear, they were less likely to have any kind of like psychic abilities. Like they were saying anyone that has psychic abilities, it's actually in their DNA. And people that had gone through religion, they almost like lost that part of their DNA. So there's like this Mm. idea that we were all once so connected to this part of ourselves, but through these structures, we actually kind of like lost touch. I mean, I just think that there's so many moments, like the more people that you talk to about this, and I'm talking to everyone about this because I just love to talk basically. (laughs) (laughs) But like every single person has some sort of story of something that happens. Like my uh, cousin the other day, she had a dream that a tree fell on my uncle's house and two days later it did. And I remember my mom once had woke up from a nightmare this was like 15 years ago, back when we were living in New Jersey, 
that our neighbor across the street had died because she was struggling with cancer. And at exactly that, like it was like 340 that she woke up and that was the exact time that she died. And there are just so many different coincidences that I've heard from people where you hear enough of it and you're like, this isn't a coincidence. Like there, I've probably heard maybe a hundred different personal real life examples from people where you just, you can't explain it away with science or logic. And I'm so sick of everybody saying that you need science and logic for everything in life. Like, of course it's important. Like you need it. We need it for the hospitals. We need it for vaccines. We do need it. But there are some things that just because you can't explain it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and doesn't mean that it's not important. Yeah. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. Like, I think we, I mean, especially what you're saying, whether it's a dream, whether it's just a feeling, I don't think we trust those enough. And I think we're learning now through conversation and through understanding that you're not alone in that, that a lot of people feel that way or go through situations similarly. And when I do think too about even, let's say that somebody very skeptical is listening and they're like, there's no way that like those cool people existed in Atlantis back in the day. There are ideas throughout so many different cultures and legends of these idea of kind of semi-superpowered people. We have the idea of the sorcerer, the wizard, like this comes up in many different cultures, the idea of having a town healer. And typically this isn't just some chiropractor who's like snapping your back or your neck. This is someone who can actually heal people. There's the idea of the warrior, somebody who's superpowered, like athletic beyond the extreme. And then there's usually this idea of somebody in a village who's like a priest or a connection to the gods or somebody who has that type of gift. So even if we're going to say, yeah, it's not like people in Atlantis were teleporting or they could grow wings or they had talons, but maybe there was something that was a little bit extra, you know, like human plus. And I think that could exist. And what I'm really curious about is um, why do you think that we want this idea of an ancient culture to exist so badly. Like you see it when people talk about Atlantis, you see it when people talk about the ancient Egyptians. Why do you think that like it kind of comforts us to have this idea that back in the day there was somebody smarter than us around? Well, I think A, there's so much that's unexplained. So it kind of gives an answer because there are things that, yeah, how were the pyramids built? Like there's no we have no idea. So I think on one hand, just having some kind of answer is is comforting to know like, oh, this is a possibility of what could have happened. Because without any possibilities, it's like, well, what it, where does that leave us, you know? And there's almost a connection that we have towards them. It can get into their society just a little bit because as I was researching, I'm like, I feel like I'm describing today with a lot of things. It like mirrors our society and what's going on now, which is, yeah, it's a really interesting parallel. Yeah. So just, okay. Yeah. Like what type of stuff would you say parallels? So, oh, and, and I will say too, just some, I always like to have like a description. Obviously I've seen like so many pictures of Atlantis, but for anyone who's like, I don't know, I only saw the Disney movie, what's going on. It's really cool because if you've seen the movie Atlantis, they do it kind of well, where it alternates rings, kind of like a bullseye where every other ring is land, water, land, water, land, water. And there's a lot of bridge systems. So basically just imagine a bunch of inner circles going to outer circles with alternating land and water bridges over them, high towers. If you almost, if you're into Game of Thrones and you've seen pictures of um, old Valyria, it looks almost a little bit like that. So just as we talk about the society, imagine that kind of beautiful ring-filled land. Yeah. We haven't really touched on the location and we can get into that. It's also like, I think we went overboard on the location and the science and all of that yes. because we're like, we have to prove yeah. it. But like <laughs> you were saying, take, take what feels right, leave the rest. This is just a fun conversation. But you know, I also want people to understand this was like hundreds of thousands of year period. This was not, I feel like people think it was like, we, America's only been around for like 200 plus years. It's like, you can't think in that time frame. You have to think of hundreds of thousands of years, which is insane. And there's been so many different iterations and they talk about the four main iterations. So at first the landmass, Danielle can get more into this, but was in the Atlantic or it is in the Atlantic, the capital of Atlantis. I know we were going to say we were going to talk about this later, but I do want to mention that we believe that this was a time period on earth. This wasn't one location. And that's why there are so many people who are in this like really logical third dimensional mindset that were that are fighting over where it was on the planet. 
I believe that there were different locations all mm-hmm. over the planet. We're talking about the capital of Atlantis. Yeah. And that's probably why there's so many places that kind of match that description that you were just saying. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about like this main city, you're going out, you're building other cities, they're probably going to have a similar structure because mm-hmm. that's how they did things. So that's and, something to think about. And so over these four major time periods where, where something happened to the landmass itself, the islands started shrinking or the continent started shrinking. And for that reason, people would go out and settle in different areas because, hello, that's just human nature. You're like, okay, well, our island's getting smaller. We should probably go out and find another place to settle because eventually through generations, this is going to disappear. So once they said that it stretched from Iceland all the way to the southern point of the U.S., so like near Florida, even more south possibly, it basically took up the entirety of the Atlantic. And then, you know, through hundreds of thousands of years of evolution and whatnot, Uh, Things would happen where it would shift, things, you know, the sea levels would rise and it would start to get smaller and smaller until I want you to talk about the. Yeah, well, and I want to mention as you're describing this, when you think about where this was, it was on top of three where three tectonic plates met, right? So anytime anything happened, like this is shifting a ton. So when you think about, well, how can a landmass just kind of like disappear over time? It's like probably the weakest point on earth (laughs) that it was. So anytime there was any kind of event or sea levels or anything, like it's going to immediately be affected. But when we talk about like that cataclysmic event that happened 12,000 years ago, there is a comet stream called the Torrids, which still encounter us <laughs> in a cycle every, what, 20,000 mm-hmm. years. But there's proof that the comet hit Earth. It was during the Ice Age, so it melted a bunch of ice caps, and there was like this almost immediate rise in the ocean. So at the point Atlantis was at that time, it just kind of like immediately swallowed it up. That's kind of keeping it very... And there's so many different stories. And if you go back to the show, I was talking about ancient apocalypse. It literally, that's what this is about, is there was an apocalyptic event that happened, how many years ago? Mm 12,000-ish? 12,000-ish years ago that so many different societies all over the planet talk about. They have this marked on their walls. They have it basically in a place that will never go away, that will be a constant reminder to the rest of society that this is going to happen again. And the kind of eerie thing is that we are in the Torrid Comet stream right now, which is kind of crazy. So there's people that say this could happen again. We, we're just, again, so disconnected. Or maybe there are people, NASA, whoever, that NASA know about this. About it. <laughs> They're just not trying to freak <laughs> us out. But it's crazy. It just shows you how much we do live in a natural world. And so anyway, so this time period is just fascinating because if you look at a bunch of different, I don't know, people, places, and time, like the Native Americans always said that they came from a land towards where the sun was rising. So that would be, if you're in, you know, the U.S., that would be the east where the sun rises. And again, that's towards the Atlantic. A lot of Mexican deities always talk about the kind of similar thing where they came from the east. So since this was during the Ice Age, the theory is that people migrated to this area on the planet because everything was freezing and it was super cold. And if it was a continent at the time, or if it was a huge piece of land where you could walk across and get there, why wouldn't you go there where it's warm, it's nice, it's fertile, it's near the equator, it's probably the warmest place on earth. So that's where they said people settled for a long period of time until you know, things started to happen. People started to migrate. That's also the next theory, which people talk about. This is why we have pyramids all over the world. You know, that's also a a big, big question mark that people want to debate all the time is why do we have these similarities all over the planet? But maybe it's because even before that time, they were gathered in one location. They also talk about how Atlantis was a society full of all of the races. Everyone was there, everyone of every color, which is also a really beautiful thought because then we go off into our separate places. And for some reason, we're now in this like very division mindset that we find ourselves in today. And it's kind of, I don't know, another piece of information that we can learn from the past and be like, think about these people who lived in such unity during this time. That being said, getting into the culture of things, this was hundreds of years of of time period. So there was many different rises and falls between leaders. They did have uh, emperors at the time. Within these circular 
communities, like we were saying, they talk about the engineering of this place and of their waterways. That was water that they brought in, like those moats that we're kind of talking about within those circular rings mm -hmm. of land. They say like, we could not engineer those today, even if we tried. Like it was so advanced. And again, there is physical proof on the land where you can find like in the Sahara, people want to argue a lot that that is where Atlantis actually was, which I believe maybe that was one of the settlements, you know, but I don't think we can attach ourselves fully. That's the other thing. You can't fully attach yourself to anything because then you just become, you drive yourself crazy. It's just nice to have this fun thing for your mind to chew on and kind of understand. So what I was going to say as far as how our society today is connected to the society then is their schooling system. I find very interesting. So they had primary school for kids for, you know, when you were younger and it was all of the subjects that we're used to. Astronomy was a big one. Again, this is why they're so fascinated with the stars and the torrid, you know, comets and things like that, because they can see it. They can see it. They can see different patterns in the sky, especially when you go through cataclysmic events like that, you really become aware. You're going to look up all the time because you know, that's where your downfall happened previously. So that was one of the subjects they taught. They also taught occult and psychic practices and subjects. And it was said that there wasn't like actual doctors. Everyone was taught about plant medicine. They were taught about energetic and magnetic healing. Everyone knew how everyone knew how to do this. And which is really interesting now that we only have specialized people because again, if you were super connected to yourself and to these abilities, you wouldn't need to go to someone else for it. So through this time period, you know, you would go to school and then based on your interest, based on how you did scoring wise, you would be placed into basically like a, a trade school. You would you would have a job, you know, you would have a place in the community, something that you did. If you did show signs of psychic or occult abilities, you would then go on to higher forms of training where you would become a part of the the people who ran things. I'm trying not I don't know how to <laughs> the elite. Yeah, the the elite, but with less yeah. of a negative connotation. But the thing is that like everything, unfortunately, it seems to have gotten corrupted over the years, over the hundreds of thousands of years of this happening. That is why they were able to stay so progressive, they were able to make these major advancements is because they had this system in play where everyone was working together and, and, and trusting that, you know, different children, different generations would have different abilities and bringing them to rise to power because they were obviously showing that they had skills to be where they need to be. When it became corrupted, honestly, is when the elites, when the higher up people just started graduating their own children. So they would say, well, mm. actually, my child. Nepo babies. Yeah. Nepo, ba <laughs> yep. Nepo babies. That exactly. was the downfall. That was the, the Nepo babies. Yeah. Honestly. Olivia Jade got into Atlantis yeah. and she was like, let's just fake my way onto the psychic team. And her mom was like, sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so basically, that's when the disconnection started is because they didn't have the appropriate people in play to be running the society how they had planned it. Because it was more about greed and what they could get for themselves and the betterment of the collective. And it's funny you brought up sorcery because that's what they say was the downfall. You know, they had all of these advancements that they talk about as far as within science, they talk about, you know, it's, it's, ugh, this book is fascinating and I just take it as that and that's it. I'm not saying it's fact, but it's very interesting. They talk about how the banana, they bred the banana to be seedless because it's easier to eat. They talk about wheat and how like maybe they bred these things. Well, the banana, we actually did that pretty recently, mm -hmm. like uh, within human time. If you ever look at like a banana from like the early human times, the seeds are massive. It's like the size of grapes inside of bananas. But I'm pretty sure maybe the Atlanteans did that too. But you know what? We got some of their gifts because, I mean, we we GMO fruit all the time. Like an apple is not supposed to be the size of your fist. It's supposed to be the size of like your chin, mm -hmm. basically. So I'm not going to lie. I honestly love how we genetically modify fruit <laughs> yeah. because who would want to eat like a big seed-filled banana? Well, and that's, But yeah, that's like another similarity. And that's what they were doing. They were genetically modifying animals, plants. Humans. Humans. And so that's when it starts getting into... Uh, what were they doing with humans? The sorcery type of energy. So basically, you know, and it goes back to what your fundamental belief is of why you're doing something, right? They said that this this was a, they worshiped the sun. They worshiped their own, you know, ability to have control over their life, but they, but they kind of gave it up to the natural world. They were very connected. Once they started worshiping and having deities of man, 
which kind of goes mm. connects connection to this now time where a lot of religions have a connection to a physical being, a physical man as their God. That's when things started going kind of weird. ZocDoc. I am so excited that ZocDoc is going to be sponsoring today's episode because I have been using ZocDoc for, I think, maybe six years now. I've used them in Chicago, Tampa, San Francisco, New York, all over, and I've always had a great experience. When you get into this phase of life where you're not really like living at home anymore, you're not in college, and you can't just ask your mom like, hey, who's the dermatologist down the street that you go to because you're living on your own. So that's why ZocDoc has always been so helpful for me. Anytime I need to see a specialist or if I've moved to a new city and I just need to see a primary care doctor, I always find them on ZocDoc. You can see exactly where the um, doctor specialist is. You can see their ratings, their reviews. You can book an appointment through the app, find out exactly when they're available. It's just so, so easy. So ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and can deliver the type of experience that you want. So ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed take your insurance and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. And of course, that insurance thing, very important. It's just so nice, easy, and seamless to be able to slot your insurance in and see who accepts it rather than having to do all of that. So go to ZocDoc.com fluently and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com fluently. ZocDoc.com slash fluently. Well, it make I've seen all these tweets too where people are like, oh my God, like the Egyptians used to worship the sun. Okay, yeah, like that big motherfucker in the sky that we can see that gives us life, that sometimes that gives my dad skin cancer, that like <laughs> affects all of us on a daily basis, that we get vitamin D from, makes a lot more sense than this idea of Zeus, who's like a renowned rapist in yeah. um, you know, the Greek world. Like yeah. it it is really crazy how we laugh so much at like people back in the day were like, ha ha ha, those like idiots didn't know anything. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It made a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, worshiping the sun, like I like that. And I think, what is it? Unitarian, unilateralist, don't they also not worship the sun, but they're more of like praise nature, praise the seasons, focus our worship on that. Yeah. So once they started shifting away from that, they started controlling they they had control over energy like i was saying it's not that crazy to think about like we have control over our own selves and our own actions and what we want that outcome to be do i want to make someone feel good do i want to help someone or actually do i want to cause someone a demise or pain or what am i going to get out of the situation and i mean i think you can think of any any example that comes to mind as far as someone who inflicts control or selfishness on a situation for their own benefit. And that's what they started doing. And so they also talk about animals, which is really interesting. They started breeding animals for their own benefit. I'm just re talking about what was in this book, which I find fascinating. They talk about how yeah. leopards, lions, jaguars were never as aggressive as they are now because they bred them that way for their own benefit when it comes to work to be like a... Oh, for what? God, you know what? If we could take anything from them, first of all, it's the seedless bananas I would want. <laughs> but secondly, it's like a very friendly panther yeah, right? or like a friendly tiger hanging out with you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Mm -hmm. Truly. <laughs> so it's just concepts like that are so cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's really interesting. And they talk about just they became more into warfare. You know, this was a very masculine energy place. There's also, I'm not sure if you know of Lumeria. We're not going to tap into that or get into that right oh. now, but basically that okay. was a society a society that was going on at the same time in the Pacific, and that was a much more feminine energy. So both of these energies have their ups and their downs. They're, you know, the great things that they give. Like there was a lot of structure within Atlantis. There was a lot of action. You know, there was a lot of inventiveness going on. But at the same time, like what's if you think of a masculine energy when it's unbalanced, it's like super aggressive and selfish and like yes. nasty and angry. And you're like, oh God. So that's kind of how they turned. It was kind of their own demise, so they say. But anyway. Okay, well now, by the way, I'm like fascinated about that female energy mm -hmm. colony because that's where I would imagine them being like very creative. Okay, and Atlantis. So you're basically saying this idea of Atlantis is 
a huge land mass that wasn't just like one tiny island in the Mediterranean, but instead there were a lot of those different rings areas. Each ring was kind of like a city or a capital. And this existed for a big portion of the world back in the day. And then there were other you know, civilizations that also existed, but Atlantis was kind of like the main one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They talk about different kingdoms. And so that's where like the warfare comes into play. It's just, you know, it's again, Game of Thrones kind of vibe, like, (laughs) you know, and it just, yeah. And it becomes your demiser, you know, or the the major cataclysmic catastrophe happens where you're just kind of wiped out and you're like, okay, no more, you know, no more of this. And whether you go off and you start to settle in, Egypt. And that's kind of the theory is that they did settle there and they did bring a lot of knowledge and wisdom that they had from that time. And, you know, (laughs) bear with me here when it comes to the scientific like modification, modifications and experiments. That's the word I'm looking for that they were performing in Atlantis. They were combining different types of animals. So whether that's, you know, a reptile with a bird or whatever you can think. They were trying different things out and they talk about how they had lights to speed up the gestation period so the animal could come out quicker, so they could put it into action. Just really interesting. And who knows if this is true or not. But if you go and look at like the Egyptian times, they often talk about their their gods or these deities that they worship that are like half bird, half man, half cat, half, you know, woman. Yes. Isn't there a God with like a, the head of an eagle, but like the jacked body of a man? Yeah. I just feel like always so like sexually confused looking <laughs> at pictures of them and like depictions there. Ha, huh, God, that's really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like we've evolved so much from that. Like I remember just learning about like all of those scientists that those freak Nazis were doing back during World War II, experimenting on twins, trying to do experiments with animals as well. Like there is this sick part of human nature somewhere where it's like, let me try to, it doesn't matter who's going to hurt or what this is going to upset, but I want to see how far I can push the limits of something. Basically kind of playing God in a weird way. Yeah. That's kind of what, honestly, what I was picturing when we were talking about that. I was like, that literally reminds me of like the Nazi doctors. Like when there's, when they feel like there's no repercussions, it's like, yeah, how far can we push this? Like, what can we do? Also a fun little theory. I just want to throw in here since we were talking about Lemuria, there's also a theory Again, keyword is theory <laughs> that Maria was so fed up with Atlantis's shit that they actually destroyed Atlantis. But anyway, it's oh. a fun little theory to play with. <laughs> God, no, that is a cool theory. And what would you say? I mean, what, when it comes to the legend of how Atlantis came to be no longer, some people say that Zeus got angry and brought a huge flood and Atlantis ended up sinking into the mud. And then some people say that it was a comet or an asteroid from, you know, outer space that came and just kind of decimated the place. What do you think happened to the end of Atlantis? Well, I think there's a connection between both. You know, I think I think the Zeus and I think, I mean, you look at the Bible. I just think there's so many things that are used as a storyline to help people understand concepts that they take as fact. And that's, you know, to each their own, you're on your own journey with that. Have fun. But like Danielle was saying, when it comes to a comet hitting, what's his name? Randall? Randall Carlson. Carlson, an amazing, amazing, amazing journalist and uh, teacher who teaches on this. He has like 10 hours of this on YouTube that you can learn about. Just pure like science behind all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was the ice age. Everything's frozen. Huge, 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 you know, water masses that are frozen that it, when a asteroid hits or a comet hits it immediately melts so what's going to happen it's going to flood like overnight it's going to feel like a tsunami not even overnight like in seconds it's going to happen yeah and so i do, i think there's stories for that experience the same way i was talking about how there's cultures and societies all over the world who who talk, they all talk they about all talk floods, about a flood. every single culture and, and yeah. if you look at the time frame which is again the show I keep referencing ancient apocalypse it's 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 this exact time period that it happens and they all record it as the same time and they all keep track of the stars because they're aware that when the stars get a certain way things start getting a little funky and you got to keep your eye out for it but this idea of natural like uh, it's it baffles my mind that, like we said, every single culture, and I've spoken about this before, they also talk about a winged serpent, so like get the dragons in there, but they all talk about a flood, and 
of course that could happen. Like, have you heard of that volcano that's, I think, in Yellowstone National Park? And when it erupts, everyone in the United States is going to die. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's this volcano. I think it's near, it's in or near Yellowstone National Park. And when it erupts, the eruption is going to be so, scientists have figured this out. It's going to be so absolutely massive. And I think it scared a lot of teens because like Shane Dawson, like eight years ago, did a video on it. But when it erupts, not only like the lava and the explosion, but the amount of like black plume smoke, obviously I'm not a scientist, that amount that comes out is going to shroud and cover the United States maybe like not the bottom of Florida, but basically everywhere else is going to get it. And it's going to block off the sun for so long and make it hard to breathe that basically everyone in the United States is going to die when that volcano goes off. And they're monitoring it. And we've been overdue for an eruption for the last like hundreds of years, basically. But there's nothing to do because what are you going to do? Evacuate everyone in the world? Like everyone's going to be gone in an instance once this volcano erupts. And that's something that we just have to live with knowing that it's out there and could erupt at any time. But that's also another idea. Who's to say that, you know, thousands of years down the road, people are on a podcast, a telepathic podcast, and they're like, this place called, you know, Portland used to exist. And everyone's <laughs> like, no, that's a myth. There was no volcano that ever existed. Natural events happen all that. Just look at the dinosaurs. Their natural events happen all the time that absolutely wipe out something that used to exist and thrive. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I don't think we know half of it. I don't think we know even the surface of things. I think it's really beautiful that humans are so confident in themselves. And so, you know, again, it allows us to get a ton done and be as progressive as we are now. But at the same time, I don't think you can separate yourself from the natural world and knowing that your life could be over in an instant. That's also why, I mean, not to connect to spirituality and woo-woo and stuff like that, but I think it's so important to have this connection to yourself or similarly, like the way the Atlanteans had a connection to the sun or to the natural world. You can understand that you're a part of a system because when you do start worshiping these deities and these singular men that are going to save you. And you're going to go to this place called heaven, or you're going to go to this place called hell rather than understanding. In my belief, those are mindsets that you can be in, in this present moment. Either you can create your own heaven on earth, or you can create your own hell. And that is your choice. And that doesn't disconnect you from the life you're living right here, right now. And knowing that at any point that volcano could go off and I could be gone, but that's okay. You know? And so once you can find yeah. peace with that, I think that's that's the sweet spot for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's a here's a question for you guys. When so many people, there are so many different civilizations that we recognize and accept in science and in historical textbooks, probably because we found fossils and bones. Although when it comes to Atlantis, I'm kind of like, yeah, of course you find fossils and bones where land exists. But if something exists at the bottom of the ocean floor, which we've never been able to go down to and discover, how are you going to write off that something could have existed down there? We've we've never been able to find it. Why do you think that change happened in like the 1800s, 1900s for people to talk about Atlantis as this historical lost civilization and then immediately start talking about it as it's fantasy, it's fiction, it's all made up. Do you think it was because of the Disney movie? Like, do you think, basically, why do you think that change happened? You know, I'm trying to figure out the same thing myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, because it makes no sense to me because I'm like, what is wrong with having us think that it existed? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, what is, why did we have to change the narrative so much? I don't know. Yeah, there's many there's many different theories. You can go to the conspiracy rabbit hole if they want to control the narrative. You know, there's there's so many things as far as like with Disney and the again, I'm just I'm just talking about things that I've heard, not necessarily what I believe, but you know, with the cabal and they have to show you the things that are actually true. And so, and then it's right in front of your face, but you don't actually believe it because you're under control and all of these things. And it's like, I don't think they're that smart, honestly. I don't which I find that such a funny cut for anyone who like isn't, you know, hasn't gone down these nutty avenues like we have. There's this belief that some people have. I don't let me know if I'm explaining it correctly, but they basically believe that like there's evil people out there doing evil things. But as long as they blatantly say what they're doing, then it's fine for them to do it. So that's why a lot of these conspiracy theorists online are like the movie Eyes Wide Shut 
talks about exactly what's going on with rituals, but the fact that they put the movie out there means that now without sin or guilt, they can continue performing these rituals because they, it was an admission. It wasn't like a fictional movie. It was them like saying that it happened. So I could see people, it's like the energetic contract that they have with whatever deity that they feel is giving them the powers that they have. I don't, I honestly, this is why, you know, it, it literally is a rabbit hole and you can become obsessed with these things and it can drive you crazy. And on one hand, I'm like, that's absolutely bullshit and that's crazy. But on the other hand, I look at the world we live in and there is a lot of control. There is a lot of controlling storylines, whether you look at like all of the news that everyone watches across the country. Have you seen that really creepy video where it's like everyone reporting on the exact same Every thing? news reporter saying the same sentence. Yeah. The sharing of biased and false, false news has become all too common on, on social, social media. media. It It's enough to drive you crazy. It's really freaky. And I always think too, like when it comes to a conspiracy theory, I always think, follow the money and who benefits from this. Because like, I'll put on my tinfoil hat for just about any conspiracy theory, but I kind of want to know who's benefiting, which is why I've always been, when it comes to flat earth, I'm always like, but who's benefiting from the earth (laughs) being round versus flat? Like, I just can't understand that. But if I had to really stick the hat on with Atlantis, you know, it's not one of these dangerous conspiracy theories. It's not giving QAnon. It's not giving storm the Capitol, anything like that. It's like a fun, beautiful idea that, yes, we have these, we have the Greeks, we have the Egyptians, we have the Romans. And back in the day, we had the Atlanteans. I would think that it's a beautiful message for people. It would get kids interested in history. The only thing I could think of is that idea where psychic abilities and honing your intuition was taught. And maybe if people talked about that more, more people would hone their intuition. And guess what? It's harder to sell someone a product about their hyperpigmentation when they're more tuned into nature. And it's harder to make somebody upgrade to that plasma TV screen and make the money, money, money when somebody actually gets joy from breath work and deep conversations with friends. So I I do think that there is a profit and an urge for our society to like keep us glued to that damn cell phone and just, you know, taking everything surface level. Exactly. They don't want you to understand the power that you truly have. And as you're Mm -hmm. saying that, I'm like, that makes, that feels correct because everything that Danielle and I have done over the past five, 10 years, when it comes to following our own path and creating our own reality and creating our own financial stability and not relying on anyone else, other people, I mean, it's consistent where people are like, how did you do that? Or like, why are you doing that? And it's like, because I'm just as in tune and connected to the universe and my ability to create my own reality. And you are too. You don't have to be plugged into the quote unquote matrix to survive. And I think if more people understood that they do have this individualistic power within them, it would, it would shift so many things. And like you said, and that kind of goes back to the control and what mainstream society wants you to think, or the elites in power who, you know, the 1% who owns all the money, that a hundred percent, that I believe that no doubt, they do not want you to stop spending money. Because that's and, where they well, get their I, money. I think also, too, they make it really hard for the everyman because as as spiritual and as idealistic I'll be, you know, then let's say maybe I go to the doctor and I've got strep throat and now I'm out 400 bucks for my antibiotics because I'm not on health insurance because it's too expensive. And you're all spiritual and like, yeah, let me unplug and do something different. Then you get hit with like a bill for something that you have wrong with your health. And you're like, okay, well, actually now I need to take more extra shifts, you know, and, or maybe you're trying to eat healthier and connect with nature, but everything at Whole Foods is jacked up three times the price. So it just feels like for the every man, like there's so many different ways where, yeah, like it would be so nice to live in this idealistic world, but they really got us fucking trapped at every single corner to like make it really, really hard. And I talked to so many people who are like, God, wouldn't it be nice to just live on a farm somewhere with where everyone's connected in this community, but we're so many steps away from it. Like I want to live on a fucking farm in a village. I don't even talk to my neighbors in New York. Like we don't even say hi to each other in the elevator. So it feels like we're just so many steps away from this. So for anyone who is interested in taking a few steps to like 
be more spiritual or be more connected with either their intuition or nature, just like the symbiotic circle of life. What are some things that you guys could suggest or small steps that you do on the daily or even in a week where you're just like, anytime I do X, Y, Z, it's simple. It's not that expensive. It doesn't take too much time, but it really makes me feel like as a connected, grounded person. I mean, the hardest thing is just to like be quiet and sit with yourself and like exactly what you're saying. It's so hard because there are a million and a half distractions in any moment. So much easier to grab for your phone and to just kind of like sit with yourself and kind of like tune in unless you're like really setting aside time. Maybe it's going for a walk in nature or whatever you need to like get yourself out of like those daily habits of just kind of being stuck in your own kind of little reality that you've created. And doing it without your AirPods, which I hate to say (laughs) because, you know, stream fluently forward and authentic souls. But like anytime I go for the weirdest thing is anytime I'm exercising without stimulus or I'm like going for a walk without looking at something or hearing something, all these old memories flood back to me. Like I'm down here in Florida and I was going for a walk and I remembered this person that I dated in a photography class years ago, (laughs) Isaac, and I had completely forgotten about him. But Mm -hmm. when you unplug, like memories come back to you, like Mm -hmm. you feel better. It's fantastic. Well, it's like we were talking about the float tank. Like that's an excellent place where you literally like, don't bring your phone in there. You're going to drop it in the water and it's going to ruin it. You know, it literally like forces you to just be there in that very moment. So I think, you know, when you're new to it, just for me, it's helpful to really just set aside the time of like, this is all I am doing for the next hour is I'm going to float here and I'm going to let my brain do what it needs to do. And yeah, it's a lot easier to kind of set up. I'm going to float tank. I think you guys convinced me. It sounds cool. You should. Ritual vitamins. For the last couple of months, I have had two habits. One of them is taking ritual vitamins. And then the other habit is telling everyone who will speak to me about ritual vitamins because I have been so obsessed with taking these vitamins, mainly for two reasons. One, they look cool. Okay. They look so cool. I've never seen a cooler looking vitamin. And they also have a minty, fresh taste. I don't know why everyone is not doing this because you feel so invigorated and clean and energetic and minty fresh when you taste them. So I am always taking my ritual vitamins. I brought them down for Christmas. Everyone in the family took it and they all said the same thing. I love that minty fresh taste. Now, what is the ritual multivitamin for women? It is a clinically backed vitamin for women 18 plus. It's got high quality traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable You take two capsules per day and it has nine key nutrients in them and such a cool looking like beadlet in oil type of pill. It's so fun to take them. So no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. So you can visit ritual.com slash fluently to start ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. I also want to note that as humans, we're supposed to be in community. And so this is, this is in my eyes, and it's like, I feel so grateful. Danielle and I now live together with our partners and it feels like some radical act because at age 30, we're living with roommates. But honestly, when it comes to all of our mental health, honestly, we are so connected and supported and it feels very natural to be living this way. I don't know if we'll live this way forever or just right now, but it's not the way we're taught to live. And it's like, oh, at 30, you're supposed to be in your own place with your own family, with your own dog. And it's like, but is that, does that make sense? And also, you know, as you were saying, or as I was saying, like you have to take radical responsibility for your own life and start showing up for yourself and understand that you have this connection. It's it's this weird route that you have to go on where you have to step out of like the normal quote unquote, community matrix, whatever you want to see it as. And then you're kind of, you feel isolated for a while and that's normal. And it is an act of rebellion on some level. And, you know, if you can find other people who are connected to you within taking, you know, go, I'm going to, this, an act of rebellion alone is going, I'm going to do what feels right to me. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are going to say, what? Yeah. Wait, you're not going to yeah. do what you're, what you should be doing or what your mom thinks you should do or your dad. You're going to do what you want to do? 
that's a huge act of rebellion right there. But once you can start showing up over and over again in that way, you will find like-minded people. And I encourage you to find a new community or maybe just infiltrate your current community with that mindset. I don't want people to think that they now need to be alone or they need to be doing this on their own because I've done that and it's not fun. (laughs) And it's not how humans are supposed to live either. But it's kind of just like the nature of things and the way our world is set up right now, that if you are to take these steps, it can feel very isolating and rebellious, even though you're doing like the most natural thing possible, which is, again, listening to your own intuition and showing up for the things that you want to be doing rather than what everyone else is telling you to do, which is just like my biggest mission in life is to get people to start doing that more and more because I do think we'll all be better off for it. So as far as what you can be doing day to day, it's like that. It's getting quiet and starting to trust yourself. Yeah. Like whether it's like, I always talk about if you if you have a free day, a lot of people feel really anxious and overwhelmed or don't know what to do when they don't have plans. Or say you had plans and they got canceled and you're like, well, fuck, now I'm just left with myself and I don't know what to do. So you fill it up with all of these things. If you can just let yourself have a day where you wake up and maybe you just fucking lay there for 20 minutes and then you just wait for that internal ping to go off. It goes, maybe I should go get a coffee. So you walk down to the coffee shop and have you ever had those moments when you leave at the most synchronistic time and you show up and you see a friend at the coffee shop or something and you're like, whoa, if I had gotten up immediately because I told myself that's what I quote unquote should be doing, I would have missed this friend. But I'm so glad I saw them because I haven't seen them for three months and I haven't talked to them. So just let yourself live a day like that and see how good it feels or how uncomfortable it makes you feel. And then know that that's something you need to practice. I do. I'll throw a little plug in here. If you're interested, we do have a course called the Intuition Course. That is hours of us just talking about this, what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If anyone feels called to to try that. Yeah, I like that. And even if uh, I'm just imagining, like, let's say somebody's listening who you know, has like three kids and a job and like, let's say that they never have the chance for a day where they could have that like beautiful follow your intuition. I, I liked what you said about even just taking 20 minutes. And if you don't know what to do, there's this, oh my God, I downloaded the app, but honestly, it wasn't that good. Their Instagram is better. I think it's called like Fab Fit Story. I'll like link it in the show notes. It's basically like a activity app, but their Instagram, in my opinion, whoever's doing the Instagram is even better than the app. And they'll have these different infographics where they'll have like four cartoons and I'll say, pick one and then swipe for what you should do for 20 minutes of your day. And they'll give you the options where for the first 20 minutes of your day, you could either dance in your room for 20 minutes. You could have a coffee and just look out the window. You could go for a walk or you could stretch as you listen to the news or something like that. But honestly, as you're saying that, I think I think the ultimate superpower is having control and being able to regulate your own nervous system. That's what all of this comes yeah. back to is because we are not taught how to do that in school, which is insane. Like, how to calm ourselves down, how to listen to ourselves, how to know when we need to shift into something else, how to know when it's time to like go do something physical. And that is just an ongoing process for myself. But man, oh man, when you can take radical responsibility for how you are feeling and what you need in that moment, your life will change, honestly. So I don't know how we've gotten on this little (laughs) rampage of self-help and wisdom, but I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's basically what the Atlanteans taught us, you know, even though some people say their society is a myth, we can still learn from it. And it's not, you know, the good parts of it. Next episode will be like how to do dark magic sorcery oh, yeah. and, you know, we'll why your practicing. house will sink if you do that. <laughs> yeah. No, right? I, I mean, it's so funny to joke about that stuff, but at the same time, like, uh, uh, mm, because I <laughs> like one thing we didn't touch on is I love crystals so much. And if you look at little kids, they love crystals. They just want to hold them. They think they're beautiful. Yes. If you're tuned into it on any level, I think humans do love a beautiful rock, honestly. Wait, why is that so true? When like when you were kids and you went into the museum gift store, why did we all gravitate to the rock, you know, mm-hmm. where you can put crystals in a pouch? I would be like, yes, I would like <laughs> dig my hands in. Why wasn't I going over to the toy section? We were always drawn to the crystals and the rocks. Exactly. That's so funny. I never even thought about oh, that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I love it. Cause you know, with what I do and when I'm selling out events, I'll have like a little dish of crystals that when a kid comes by, I'm like, do you want one? And I'm like almost moved to tears because they are so excited. They get this for free and they get to have a crystal and you can just see their connection to it because maybe they're like five or six and they don't have all of this like, you know, illusion mint and like this 
I don't know, whatever, disconnection from that world and the energies and things like that, because the veil is so much thinner when you're so much younger. Um, but I just want to say that they, the Atlanteans use, got their power from crystals, like their energetic power, like to power their society through crystals. But I also like, you can talk about energetic power in the physical form, like energy, lights, like what you think about when you think about your phone, the computer, those all have crystals in them, actually. Like for real. Yes. Our our things yeah. that we use, technology has crystals in them. So why do we why do we look at the woo-woo side of crystals and we're like, no, those can't positively affect me? I'm like, I don't know. I don't there's no proven scientific fact. It's just an intuitive knowing that I know that like when you have a crystal near you, you feel better. I know it's positively affected my life. And I just want to give a little plug to the crystals out there and the crystal lovers that I don't think you're crazy. And I think it's good, you know, you go to the museum and they've got one of those, am I going to pronounce it correctly? Agate or agate? It's like agate. And like they crack it open and everyone's mouth is like jaw dropping open. I don't know. Call me crazy. But like I've never walked into like a sewer system or looked at like a football and been like, wow, (laughs) like, oh my God, I'm being transported. Like there is something beautiful about it. Or at least I think it is to me. Maybe there's someone in the world who looks at a shimmering. And we we all do this thing where we talk ourselves out of it and then we go, no, but maybe it's just me. No, it's, it's human nature. (laughs) We all look at a crystal and we're like, my mind is blown and I want to touch it and I want to feel it and I want to absorb it and I want it to become me. And it's just like inspiring. I don't even know what it is, but I'm really trying not to do that where I, I'm like, well, no, like I just, you, you're not trusting yourself in the moment. And you're like, no, actually I might be wrong. And it's like, no, that, that feeling means something, you know? So yeah. Anyway, I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I, I leave the conversation being like, I have so many things to look up and to watch and to learn about and dive into this. It's just like absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you so much to Savannah and Danielle for coming on. If you want to check out their podcast, Authentic Souls Podcast, they cover a lot of really interesting topics. And I want to thank them for coming on and having so much knowledge about Atlantis and kind of bringing like a different lens to this conversation that I feel like you don't really hear a lot on other podcasts when they talk about where is Atlantis and is it in the Bahamas or is it in Africa, etc. So they we go. Thank you for hanging out for me for this hour long episode. And I will see you on Wednesday for a mini episode of Fluently Forward. Bye guys.